Humanity owes trees a great deal, they clean the air we breathe and help ensure water availability even in the world's most remote locations. In fact, without trees, humans would be unable to survive. If there were no trees, large swathes of the earth would dry out. As you probably remember from school, the way the global water cycle works is that water evaporates from the oceans, condenses into clouds that blow onto dry land, then rains down and trickles into streams and rivers that flow back into the sea. However, this straightforward explanation omits one crucial fact, without trees, every cloud would rain down within 600 kilometers of the coast, leaving the inner parts of continents bone dry. Trees essentially act as gigantic water pumps, transporting water further inland. When it rains in a forest near the coast, much of the rain remains on the leaves of trees and the forest floor. This water then evaporates, forming new clouds that make their way further inland, where they rain down. In addition to hydrating the inner reaches of continents, trees also clean the air of carbon dioxide, thereby protecting the climate. They gather CO2 from the air and store it, and when they die, some of this gas is re-released into the atmosphere, but much of it remains in the tree. By burning these dead trees, whether in the form of coal or gas, we're releasing the CO2 back into the atmosphere and contributing to global warming. Moreover, we're producing so much CO2 that the trees can't keep up, they cannot store it. As you can see, without trees, the earth and its climate would be much less hospitable to humanity. Scientists may be aware of details about trees and their behaviors. But what do commoners like you and me know about them? Some of us grow trees in our private gardens, and governments do so in the public domain. From the birth of our dear earth, we have been lucky to see jungles and jungles worldwide. The world population slowly started increasing, and humans settled in villages, towns, cities and megapolises. Humans also began farming. Various developmental projects needed open land, which was made available by cutting trees. This was bound to happen, but the different ways of increasing the tree cover against the felt were randomly used. In the last hundred years, the development speed increase destroyed many, many trees. Over the last few decades, we have started understanding the meaning of this destruction through global warming. Hopefully, the more we know about trees, the random felling of trees under the garb of development will reduce. Trees aren't only an essential part of our global climate and the basis for the soil in which we grow our food. And they interact with the earth's soil in many ways. Surprisingly, most of the earth's soil is comprised of trees. When our planet was formed, there wasn't much around, there were minerals, for instance, cliffs and rocks, and air and water. Beaten by wind and rain, sections of these cliffs eroded and, over time, became a kind of gravel or sand. This is where single-celled organisms and algae settled. Small plants and eventually the first trees followed these initial biomasses. When these plants and trees died, they decomposed and, with the help of tiny organisms, turned into humus, or topsoil, returning to the earth from which they sprang. So, in the form of oil and coal, this ground contains the trees that died long ago. Living trees are connected to the soil in many ways as well. They are anchored to it via their roots, through which they absorb water that is then pumped to their leaves for photosynthesis. And these roots also connect trees, it is not unusual for two adjacent trees to share nutrients and information. Furthermore, trees develop underground connections to fungi. By dropping their leaves in the fall, trees give back nutrients to the ground, nutrients that are then used by forest dwellers. Among these nutrients are also all sorts of materials the tree has no more use for. When a tree loses its leaves, 
it's using the earth like a toilet. Without trees, we'd have no water to drink, only bad air to breathe and hardly any soil. High time, then, to get acquainted with our arboreal friends. What does the life of a tree look like? Let's try to understand the beginning of a tree's life. Every type of tree follows a different reproductive strategy. Some have tiny seeds that are disseminated by the wind. Others, such as oaks and chestnut trees, have larger seeds, usually transported with the help of animals. Where a seed ends up is dictated by chance. And each type of tree also prefers a different location. Of course, these preferences are primarily based on whether the tree will get the right amount of light and water, be protected from the wind and be situated in the correct type of soil. Some types of trees prefer growing next to one another, like birch trees, which need the protection of the forest. And others, like poplar trees, often stand alone in meadows, where they can enjoy a whole day of sun and a lot of space. But, of course, this exposes them to storms and other dangers. And even when the seed lands where it could grow, other dangers lurk. It may be eaten by deer or other animals, trampled to death, crushed by a storm, or damaged by hail. In fact, throughout every tree's life, which can last for several hundred years, each tree will only raise one child to adulthood. But as soon as a small tree has managed to take root and survive its first years, it will show the kind of astounding abilities that all trees possess. As I began writing about trees, I realized that there are many things to know. So maybe I will write part two as my next blog. But one thing I have learned is that trees are equally crucial as roti, capta and makan food, clothing, and house for humans to survive. So, we might say food, clothing, house and trees.